Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Heminger. Brian, the minor league season has come to a close. Yeah, it has, and it's been a, a pretty wild year for uh, Indians minor league teams. So uh, I'm excited to talk about a, a little bit of a wrap up as uh, things uh, have come to their conclusion, and uh, just some uh, some of the players that maybe excited us or surprised us, and uh, maybe disappointed us. So yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. Absolutely, but we will get started as always with the top 10 prospects in the system and how they did for the last week of the year. And Nolan Jones went out with a bang, it looks like. Yeah, which is great. Um, you know, he uh, finished the season with uh, the final week having a 289, 417, 526 slash with a home run, two doubles and five walks. Well done, Nolan. Um, finishes the season with a combined uh, high A and double A slash of 272, 409, and 444. So uh, I think what impressed me the most was his uh, slugging percentage went up after moving up to double A. So he was hitting more extra base hits. He hit, I think he ended up the season, I think, with more home runs at double A than he had at, uh, at high A, which, and he was at high A longer. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, betting average dipped a little bit uh, in double uh, A, but the on-base percentage stayed, you know, over 400, which is huge. Yeah. And with his patience and his power, average is almost kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that, that's a really great sign. So he, he really cemented himself as one of the top, top guys in the Indian system uh, as the top guy really um, by, because as I say all the time, you know, the, the transition from high A to double A is usually the most jarring for players. And, you know, Nolan Jones really did not see much loss in production whatsoever. So to, for him to to shake that off and, and you know, cream some home runs, and the, the ball is not juiced to double A, it's juiced to triple A, but uh, and, and actually improve his, his slugging percentage and everything, that's, that's a really good sign to see. So I'm very happy for uh, what we got out of Nolan Jones there in, in that transition. So next up. How did our boy Tristan McKenzie do? He must have really finished that season strong, right, Matt? Well, he finished it exactly as strong as he started, which is to say not at all. No baseball from Tristan McKenzie whatsoever this year after either a shoulder or a back or a just not being alive anymore injury. Nobody really knows at this point. We may never hear from him again. Maybe we should do like a special My God, He Lives podcast if like we ever see him throwing again. Yeah, it's just really frustrating because, you know, all we heard was back injury and spring training, and then he never pitched the whole season. So 
I mean, you would not think that a simple back injury would be the reason that somebody would miss a whole season. You know, as we mentioned last week, Mike Clevenger had a back injury early in the season and, you know, he came back and he's, you know, wins pitcher of the month in the American League for August. So uh, I just, I really wish the Indians, I mean, I understand them, you know, wanting to keep this close to the best, but, you know, something must have happened uh, for him to like have some kind of setback or something in his rehab because, I mean, he was throwing in June. I mean, he was throwing and, and then we never heard anything from him again. So unfortunate. And, you know, I guess, I mean, this really was just a completely lost year for Tristan McKenzie. I mean, his, his prospect uh, status really took a, took a nosedive this season. Yeah. Cause he came in number one overall in the Indian system and ranked pretty highly in most top one hundreds. And I, I mean, unless something major changes or we hear something incredibly positive, this offseason, I don't see any reason for anyone to include him in a top 100 list for the whole league. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what LGT is going to do when we uh, do our top 20 next year. Because uh, <laughs> we had several players have some breakout seasons, and uh, Tristan was definitely not one of them. So we'll see how much they punish him for not getting the play. Uh, another player, or this is one that uh, we didn't start the year with, but added along the way, Mr. Logan Allen, and he... Had a little bit of a, a nice week to finish the year. Yeah, uh, he had a one game started, six innings pitched, uh, allowed just one run on five hits with six strikeouts and three walks. Um, definitely, by far, his best start since he's arrived from San Diego. Um, he struggled. You know, he 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 definitely has not had a great year. Uh, his prospect status also has uh you know taken a dip, but that's a great way to close it out get a little bit of momentum built for uh, next season because, you know, what he does in this offseason is really going to define him for next year because, you know, he's going to be competing for that number five spot in the Indians rotation or four spot, depending on what the Indians do in the offseason. But, I mean, you would have to think that as long as the Indians don't make any moves and everybody stays healthy, that you've got Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, and Kluber as one four, one through four, no matter what. Uh, And then everybody, I mean, literally, I mean, it, it could be up to 10 guys trying to fight out for that number five spot. Yeah, it really could. And, you know, Which is, Allen is awesome, one of but. So next up, how about our boy Tyler Freeman? He finished off the season uh, with six games in the last week, hit 320, got on base at a 320 clip, and slugged 360. Oscar. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last week, but started the season definitely drawing a lot more walks, showing some patience. And then over the last month, (laughs) that on-base percentage started to get very, very close to the batting average. But he was at least able to add a double and steal a couple of bases in the last week as well. Yeah, One thing that was kind of a saving grace was he was still getting hit by a lot of pitches, and and even that stopped. So I don't know what happened. No more free passes. And then our number five man on the totem pole... Mr. Bo Naylor, how was yeah, he? Didn't finish the season super strong. Um, slashed a 167, 200, 222. Uh, BAPIP was low. So, you know, just more unlucky than anything. Uh, did hit a double, but yeah, definitely not the, the, the greatest finish to a season. But uh, I would say over the last two months, he really impressed me. And I'm very happy with uh, what we saw out of him in his debut at a uh, full season single A for the whole season. And, uh, he proved he belonged, even though the Indians were very aggressive with him. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to what he does at high A next year. For sure. And then we have 
uh, a little bit to talk about him and some of the other catchers in the systems system later when we get to listener questions, which should be fun. But yeah, I, I he's one of my favorite prospects now, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do moving oh, forward. And then uh, how about our boy George Valera, who also was uh, at full season Lake County to close out the season? I don't know. I just don't know. He had four games, hit 133, 235, 267. There was a triple in there. He also got caught stealing three (laughs) or two out of the three times he was on base. (laughs) Not wonderful. Um, Six strikeouts. Put his overall line for the year at 217, 336, 411. So not quite the mashing that we had hoped for. But again, this is a very young player who missed a good chunk of last, last year, year we with played like the dreaded ham yeah, injury. Last year he didn't even play a week. So this is really his first full season playing. And it wasn't even a full, he started halfway through. So I think we're going to learn a lot about George Valera next year because uh, he's probably going to be starting the season at Lake County. And that means he's going to start right after the Indians start. So we're going to get a full year out of him as long as he stays healthy. And that's exciting. So, um, and that'll be a huge test because so far, He's spent one season where he played about four or five games. Then uh, this year he was leading the New York Penn League in home runs and then got promoted. Um, you know, didn't quite hit as high average as we were hoping, but I mean, on base was great. A lot of walks, uh, good slugging for the most part. So I think he'll be. I think he'll be in good shape. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this off season and then how he responds to his first year a full season baseball because that's going to be a big test. And I think he'll be maybe 19 or 20 next year. So uh, still very young for his level. And uh, next up looks like uh, Bobby Bradley had a decent close to the season. He in the final week leading up to the playoffs hit 368, 458, 737. Great. Uh, That was with a double, two home runs, four walks, five strikeouts. And it's worth pointing out the Clippers have also started their run for the Governor's Cup in the International League. And Brian, I think it, it may be related to the name that you've chosen to identify yourself as in Zencaster today. But what did he do last night, even though the yeah. Clippers lost? Uh, even though the Clippers lost, uh, Bobby Bradley hit one of the hardest home runs I've ever seen in the history of baseball. I mean, I'm not joking. They showed him make contact with the ball, and then they tried to pan to the outfield to watch it leave the park. And it had already bounced off of the brick wall, like at the top of the stadium. And, and it was already on the ground in the outfield by the time they could even find it. Like that's how hard he hit that ball. Uh, like I, 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 I really, really want to see like some kind of computer system, try to estimate what that exit velocity was. Cause that was absolutely disgusting. And the pitcher's reaction was hilarious. I mean, he's just like, oh, my God, what have I done? I need a, I need a new <laughs> profession. Jeez. Uh, and it wasn't really even oh, – like, yeah. it was a it high was like, – it, was it was a ball. High. It was a <laughs> – And he just tomahawked. Bam. Just – I mean, those are those like those uh, – you know, in slow pitch softball, you know, somebody just lofts one and it's right at your head and you just can't help yourself and just wham. And that's, that's exactly what he did. And it just never, I don't know if it ever stopped going up. <laughs> it was that hard of a line drive. So, well, my favorite thing about it is it hit 
in in Columbus, they've got that sort of straight up and down deck uh, right up against Nationwide Boulevard there. So there's like three different levels. Kind of it, it kind of looks like a Top Golf almost if you've ever been to one of those. The way it's stacked, but he hit it like a little more than halfway up, and the ball just bounced like straight out back into right field and landed like <laughs> 30 or 40 feet from the wall because <laughs> of how hard it bounced off. Like the announcer didn't even have time to make a complete home run call. <laughs> it was just like, Oh, it's gone. I, I guess already. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was insane. So I was super impressed. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that he does. So uh, he's going to be competing for a spot on the Indians roster next season. And, you know, we all know what he needs to do. You know, he needs to, uh, you know, cut down on the strikeouts. If if he can at least strike out at a thirty percent clip at, at the MLB level, like he is going to be uh, playing in the major leagues for a long time. But he just has to be able to find, you know, whatever it is where he's not sacrificing the power, but just improving that eye a little bit at the plate and just not swinging at pitches that he shouldn't be swinging at. And, In, unless he blasts as, as, him like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, because I, I, you know, there's nothing I love better than seeing a guy swinging a pitch out of the zone and hit it out of the park. But um, I think what, what he really needs to focus on, I, I think he should do something with Carlos Santana because, you know, Santana does such a tremendous job of not swinging the balls out of the zone. And if he can add that part to his game a little bit, you know, that'll make him that much more dangerous because, you know, Santana's out there hitting 30 plus home runs. And he's striking out, you know, one of the lower rates of the Indians. Yeah, he's going to hit 100 so, walks again this you know, year. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting Bobby Bradley to walk at a Santana clip, but I would just love for him to be a little bit more selective. Uh, you know, just see if he can pick up the ball a little bit better and, and try to not swing at those uh, pitches that major league pitchers are going to try to get him to swing at that look like strikes and are not. Well, moving along, we come to Ethan Hankins, who had one last start yeah. to finish the and, season. You know, he'd struggled a little bit, not not terribly, but, you know, it was a transition. He got promoted from Mahoning Valley to Lake County, full season ball. And in his final start of the season, I think was his most impressive. Uh, you know, he'd had multiple starts this year where he went four innings and did not give up a run or four innings. And he had, he, I think he had one where he did not give up a hit or cu- a couple times. But this one was, I think, the most impressive. Even though he gave up a hit or he, even though he gave up a run, uh, he went four innings one run on two hits with two walks and he struck out 10. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he only had 12 outs and he, 10 of them were strikeouts. So, you know, that's, that's the pitcher that Indians are fans are excited about. Like that's the thing that he brings to the table. He has just such a filthy fastball that is so hard to pick up on. It has, you know, a lot of movement and, uh, the fact that he moved up a level and they still can't hit it, that's a really, really good sign. So I'm very excited. I, I'm not joking. Ethan Hankins might be the player that I'm most excited about how he performed this year in the Indian system because everybody was wondering, you know, because he didn't pitch much at all after they drafted him last year. But this year, you know, he he got the chance to really show what he can do. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him for a full season next year and getting stretched out a little bit to more five innings, six innings. You know, how is this guy's stamina? You know, could this guy strike out 15? <laughs> you know, it could happen if, uh, you know, if he could strike out 10 in, in four, he could definitely strike out 15 in six or seven innings. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm through the roof with my hype on Ethan Hankins. So uh, it, it could not have gone any better, his debut. Like, we were hyping it up, waiting, like, come on, it's, it's, it's coming, guys. You know, he's in the top ten. He hasn't played these first two months. But when he pitches, it's going to be good. And, and I think he outdid my, my expectations for him. Uh, on the season overall, he ended with a 255 ERA, averaged over 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, the only thing that's a little, you know, cause for concern, you know, he did have four and a half walks per nine innings. But uh, I think overall, though, his his control seemed good. He just had a couple rough outings where he walked a lot. And I think that kind of skewed it. So, uh, but, I mean, if he's whiffing guys at that rate, you're not going to be too scared about it. Because, I mean, James Karinczak has, you know, similar issues where he walks some guys. But if he's striking out almost every other batter that he doesn't walk, if the only guys that get on base are the few that you walk, no big deal. That brings us along to Daniel Espino, who finished up his first year in the system. Yeah, he had that one last start and pitched three innings, ended up giving up three runs on four hits, partially because of three additional walks, but he still struck out six guys. So I guess I'm satisfied with what we were able to see from him this year coming in as a high school arm just earlier this year and only having 23 and two thirds innings to show what he's got. I am satisfied so far and I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. I mean, (laughs) striking out almost 13 batters per nine innings. That's pretty good. Uh, And I think what I like the most about Espino is, you know, a lot of times the Indians will draft a kid uh, and then he'll maybe get to start like one or two times. And then they'll just expect him to go to Mahoning Valley the next season. But he pitched, consistently you know three inning outings and uh was blowing people away and they liked him so much they promoted him to Mahoning Valley so that's really really good sign and that's something that you can build on for next year like if he has a really good offseason and impresses the Indians staff in spring training uh you know during the minor league spring training there's a possibility it's not a guarantee or anything but there's a slim possibility that he could this could be his only stint at Mahoning Valley I mean, he was the Indians' first-round pick this year, uh, and last year's first-round pick uh, started this year at full season with Bo Naylor. They could do that. Just just imagine if Ethan Hankins and Daniel Espino are in the same rotation at like Lake County next year. It'd be pretty fun. <laughs> I like imagining it. I mean, it's not a guarantee, obviously. He only pitched about three times with Mahoning Valley. But if the Indians feel that his development is ready for a full season, then that could be really, really exciting. So uh, it, it's something to dream on for next year. So there's there's a lot that has to happen first. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to like right now with uh, some really impressive young arms. And I almost system. wonder if with a guy who has as good a fastball as Espino does and really good strikeout stuff, obviously, if he's striking out 13 guys per nine, I almost wonder if you can't really start to work on control and command until you start going up some higher levels. Because if you can just walk a couple guys but strike everyone else out, you almost don't need to learn how to work around it, I guess. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him get challenged more, too, because he was not getting challenged in the Arizona Rookie League at all. (laughs) Last but not least... Brian Rocchio. Yep. Uh, Rocchio you know, did not have the strongest uh, finish to the season that last week, six games, slashed uh, 174, 208, 304, 
did hit a home run, which is great, um, and then had a walk and four strikeouts. So nothing real crazy to close out the season, uh, but I'll take it. Um, overall on the year, he slashed a 250, 310, 373 in his first taste of a low A baseball. Um, I was hoping it'd be a little bit better than that, but you know, it's, it's definitely not super underwhelming. So it, it shouldn't be more than enough to earn him an opportunity to play for full season Lake County next year. So just like Valera, we'll get a full season out of Brian Rocchio next year. And that's definitely something to be excited about. Now, moving on, looks like we've got our five best from everywhere. So looks like we have a familiar name uh, with a famous mom uh, as one of our uh, top. It is Mr. Brock Hartson. He pitched for, yeah, he had seven innings pitched, only gave up one hit. No runs, earned or otherwise, one walk, seven strikeouts, and that was on 87 total pitches. So he was smoking. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito And, uh, you know, Brock is, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting case because, you know, he, he was in the Indian system. He was doing pretty well. Then he retires after some injuries. And then he comes out of retirement this season and finished the season strong. And now they're sending him to the Arizona Fall League. It is pretty funny that he he just quit baseball, comes back, and a couple weeks later is like, actually, no, um, I can throw a Maddox, yeah. no problem. <laughs> so that was great. So I'm very happy for him. So uh, I, I hope that he can keep going because, um, I mean, he's at least double A worthy right now, in my opinion. And that means, you know, he's not too far away from contending for a spot in the Indians rotation. Yeah, and I... It's, it's just cool that they basically got him again for free this year, just to show him back up. needed it after, uh, you know, some of the other top prospects in the Indian system were injured or, you know, underperformed uh, in pitching, at least, with, you know, McKenzie, with Oviedo, with uh, Gene Carlos Mejia. So, uh, yeah, th- it, this was a really nice, nice thing to have. And the next guy that we have in the top five is Mr. Jose Fermin. Yeah, and Fermin finished the season real strong. Uh, ended up with a 333, 405, 515, five stolen bases, which is just nasty. Um, and and he was really good for over a month to close out the season. Uh, he also was uh, the, what was it, trying to, the Midwest League Player of the Week as well. So, you know, he just, he had a really strong close to the season. Um, and what's 
really interesting is he's actually going to be rule five eligible i believe because because he uh he had an injury that slowed his development early in earlier in his career but you know this is a guy with a great eye at the plate uh you know good bat to ball skills good defense so the indians might have to make a tough decision i mean i'm hoping that no one would take him if he hasn't even been to high a yet but I, he might, I, I'm not 100% sure he's ruled five eligible, but I think I saw somewhere that he might be. Yeah, it would be really frustrating if someone takes him when he's still at just regular class A. It, it, it would just, I would think, napalm their development. And then uh, you wouldn't happen to have uh, the stats for our next uh, player, would you? It looked like they're not on there, but we can skip ahead. And I, I actually have him up here okay, in front I of me. Let you go and it, who's our being next able to five best? We went ahead and picked Eli Lingos for the last two starts that he made during the regular season. He ended up going six innings total in each of them, allowing only four hits in both of those. Two earned runs in the first, only one earned run in the second, uh, one walk each in each of them, and ended up striking out seven and five, respectively. And that concluded a march for him where at the beginning of August, he had a 446 ERA. And by the time he finished the month of August, he was sitting at 366. So a really, really strong finish to the year. Didn't have any starts in August with fewer than five innings pitched. And except for the very first one, he had either two, one, or zero runs earned for that stretch. So just a a really, really excellent finish. Uh, Unfortunately... He did pitch last night in an elimination game and got tagged for four runs in four innings. But that's count. not the regular that's season. Count. It doesn't count. <laughs> and that brings us to Mr. Michael Peoples. We've got another another pitcher. I think this is the first time we've had three pitchers in the five best. And uh, you know, this is a guy that's been in the inning system for a really long time, a veteran of the system. Uh, he's he's kind of been in that double A, triple A area for the last few seasons now. Uh, but he's just really been dependable, and, and he had an incredible finish to the season with the six innings pitched in his start, allowed just one hit, no walks, no runs, seven strikeouts, and then over the whole last month, uh, he had uh, six starts with a two twenty two ERA, thirty six strikeouts, and just four walks. I mean, that's Bieber esque. It's yeah. Bieberish. Yeah, Bieberish. <laughs> Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, great, great job, Michael Peoples. You know, he's. He's another guy, you know, obviously he's not going to be at the top of the list, but um, he could be contending for a, a spot in the Indians rotation next spring because, you know, this is a guy that throws strikes and uh, when he hits his spots, he can be tough to hit. So, you know, he's not some super flamethrower, but just another good, solid, dependable arm at the top of the Indians uh, minor league system. And then uh, obviously I think uh, we may have already mentioned this man uh, before, but I mean, the numbers are good enough on their own, but I feel like even if he had just hit that one home run last night, I'd have to put him here (laughs) just for that. Yeah. Again, you know, playoffs don't matter, but that one, that one like transcended playoffs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the Austin Jackson catch in that game from a couple years ago where the Indians lost, but that's the only thing anyone remembers from the game. So last night, like, sure, the Clippers lose, but Bobby Bradley set off a bomb. All right. Uh, so that moves us along to transactions, which there weren't really yeah, a ton I mean, of here in the last week. week transactions which is are typically pretty low key. Obviously, you had the Tyler Naquin injury, so the Indians called up Jake Bowers. 
they also called up, you know, Eric Haas, uh, Ryan Flaherty, um, maybe a pitcher or two. So nothing too crazy there for the September call-ups. Um, and then to fill some space, uh, Ryan Lavernway was uh, signed at the AAA level. And then he had a couple depth guys. Uh, Connor Smith was promoted to Double A to end up the, to close up the season, and Henry Pujols was promoted to High A from Mahoney Valley. So nothing too crazy there in transactions. Actually, had nobody get hurt the last week of the season, which is always nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think at this point, I want to talk a little bit about how each uh, team did in the Indian system since the regular season is over for all levels. So we're going to start in the DSL, which was interesting. The Indians had two teams, well, one and a half teams. Uh, they're the DSL Indians, and then there's the DSL Indians Brewers. And uh, they were last and second to last in the DSL North Division. <laughs> uh, maybe so, one team would have yeah. been better. Um, the Indians Brewers went 17-52. and 52. They were the worst team in the whole DSL by a pretty wide margin. Um, but again, you know, that's kind of where the Indians, really the only good player on the Indians Brewers was uh, Junior San Quentin. Uh, you know, the Indians just needed a spot to have, they had three very good shortstop prospects and they weren't going to let them all, you know, split time on one team. So they had San Quentin on the Indians Brewers and then they had Angel Martinez and um, Gabriel Rodriguez on the DSL Indians. And then when Rodriguez got promoted to the AZL, they sent San Quentin to the Indians, to the DSL Indians. So the Indians Brewers got even worse. <laughs> um, and then the DSL Indians went 26 and 41. Uh, offensively, they were actually pretty good. Um, and at one point in the season, I think this was over a month into the season, they had walked more than they struck out. So like they were, they were very exciting offensively, but they had almost zero pitching prospects at that level. So, you know, they're not going to win a lot of, Makes you know, they're not going to win a lot of games when you're giving up a lot of runs. Um, I mean, there, there honestly were almost nothing there. So p- pitching wise, offensively, it was, it was a good season. They had uh, a couple of players make it to uh, the, the ACL and get promoted. Not just Gabriel Rodriguez uh, had a catcher, I think uh, Shane Paz. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun season, but you know, obviously nothing that impressive. So uh, it, and it was more about giving, the position players an opportunity to develop uh, in the Arizona league though, there was a lot of excitement for the Indians. Um, the Indians last year had two of the best teams in the Arizona rookie league. They both made the playoffs. Um, and this year they had uh, two other very good teams. Uh, the, there were the Indians red and the Indians blue. The Indians red was primarily composed of like high school and college players from the Indians draft and the Indians blue was primarily composed of international players, uh, but it also had pitchers from like the Indians draft. <laughs> so they kind of split up the pitchers and position players. Uh, so the Indians red went 27 and 29. Uh, so they had a pretty decent season, had uh, several good players. Indians blue, however, uh, they made it to the playoffs. They went uh, 35 and 21. They were one of the best teams in uh, all the AZL and, uh, Aaron Bracco was a very big standout. He was, if you remember, you know, one of the top international signings of the year. They got, you know, George Valera and Brian Rocchio. Uh, Aaron Bracco was the, the player that actually got signed for the biggest bonus that year. And this was his first season after missing all of last year with an injury. And he was tremendous. He was their best player. 
and he ended up getting promoted to Mahoning Valley right in time for the AZL Indians Blue to make it to make their playoff run. <laughs> so that was a bit unfair, but uh, Indians Blue ended up uh, losing. Uh, the, they made it to the championship game uh, series. They won their first game uh, in the playoffs. Uh, they they faced a team that was pretty good, and they beat them like ten to one. Uh, and then they. In a best two out of three championship series, they lost both games. So, but to make it to the championship is pretty impressive. So, good job, great job by the AZL Indians Blue. Uh, but yeah, and then I apologize for the typing. I did not have every single league that the Indians played in the standings. But moving on up, the final short season team that the Indians had was the Mahoning Valley Scrap Scrappers, who uh, I think possibly had the most hype of any team in the in uh, the Indian system. And they lived up to it for the most part. But uh, I think what was disappointing was there was some inconsistent offense. Um, obviously, you know, you had George Valera being one of the top home run hitters in the league. But, you know, several other players, you know, just didn't quite have the offensive seasons we were hoping for. You know, Rokio, you know, batted 250, nothing real crazy there. Uh, Delgado was good. Yeah. It was just, it was a very young team. I mean, it is literally, I, I'd say more than half the team was under 20 years old. So um, they just didn't quite live up to the expectations. But again, that's tough when you got so many good young kids on, on a team like that. So uh, they finished the season 37 and 39. They just missed the playoffs uh, in the last week. So, uh and they, they, they still had a good year, but just it wasn't quite up to the expectations. I think I was hoping that they would have a winning record and, and be in the playoffs, but didn't quite happen. But then uh, I think a, a surprise team was Lake County. And as we mentioned, their season sadly came to an end close to the, the championship round, but they ended up putting together a nice year. Basically, in the first half, they qualified for the playoffs by going 40 and 29. Uh and overall on the season, they finished uh, 74 and 64. So uh, basically in the first half, they had Will Benson, you know, being king of the world <laughs> and Tyler Freeman being a god. Um, so that was really, really amazing. But uh, then in the second half with uh, those guys promoted to high A, they weren't quite as good. But I mean, they were still strong and they, and they still had uh, a good run. Um, Jose Fermin was very good down the stretch. They also lost one of their best players to a trade. <laughs> uh, Ruben Cardenas was one of their middle, middle of the order bats. And he was traded in, uh, what trade was that? Um, where we got, who did we get in the Ruben Cardenas deal? It I was can't even remember. too long ago for me. Wait, Hunter, no, was it Hunter Wood? All right. Let's get some more thunder typing here, but, uh. Yeah, it was uh, the Christian Arroyo Hunter Wood trade. So, so they 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 got you know a guy that immediately could help them in the bullpen and a guy that could compete for the second base position next year. Uh, that's likely going to be open. So, and they gave up a middle of the order bat at full season Lake Single A Lake County. But yeah, so Lake County had a good season. Um, I think pitching ended up being a strength. They had uh, several really good performers there, and. Uh, I was, uh, you know, impressed with uh, what they were able to do overall. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a, a fun year, and I think people did not expect them to be that good this year. So, uh, they, at the beginning of the year, they had 
a, a really, really nasty infield. I mean, it had two top international uh, signings and uh, I think three former first round picks <laughs> all like on that team. I mean, just, it was a really uh, impressive team. So yeah, I was, I was pleased with how that season finished. Uh, but then uh, moving on, we have uh, Lynchburg, which was in the high A Carolina league. Um, and this one was a little sad. Uh, they finished the year at um, 62 and 73. So not quite what they were hoping. Um, and they missed the playoffs for the first time in seven years. So, uh, but overall they still had a pretty good season. They just, you know, Lake County was not a great team last year and basically Lynchburg was Lake County from last year, but then they added a couple more, uh, studs like in Benson and Freeman. And while Freeman played pretty well at high A, uh, Benson had his struggles. So, you know, he's the kind of guy that, you know, needs a little bit extra time to really learn and develop at, uh, each level. So, uh, but then Akron, that one, uh, I was, I'd say out of all the seasons that I was excited about, I think Akron might've had the most disappointing. Which, yeah, I agree. But one of my favorite statistics in all of Indians minor league baseball is that Kai Tom led the Akron rubber ducks with 14 home runs he was not on the team for half the year yeah. he got promoted like two and a half yep. months ago so uh akron finished the year tw- um overall 61 and 79 you know at the beginning of the year they were kind of a 500 team and then they went on a horrific losing streak at one point i think it was over 10 games it might have been so just a, a tough stretch there for akron uh, what really hurt Akron was every time they hit a pitcher that was doing good, <laughs> they'd get promoted. Uh, you know, they started the year with Zach Playsack, who was unbelievable. And then Playsack doesn't just get promoted to AAA, he gets promoted to the Indians and finishes the whole season with the Indians. Then they're like, okay, well, you know, Aaron Savali is finally ready to to start pitching for us. He's, uh, you know, he's been hurt for the first month and a half or so. And then Savali's unbelievable. And then he gets promoted to AAA and then to Cleveland. I mean, it was just unfair almost uh, that they were in that type of situation. And then Eli Morgan was so good in the first, you know, half of the season, but then he really struggled down the stretch as well. So, you know, they just, it didn't quite come together for him. Uh, You know, the the players that were playing good got promoted, like Daniel Johnson and Kai Tom, their best players. uh, And then, uh, and obviously their best pitchers as well. So just, they were kind of the in-between team it seemed like this year. So uh, really the only stud that they finished with was Nolan Jones, who, who did finish the season strong, but I mean, yes, uh, not but, enough. I mean, by that point, I mean, you can't blame them for having four or five guys that quickly promoted themselves out of there. And then uh, closing it out, the Columbus Clippers were tremendous this year. They finished the year 81 and 59, first place in the West division of the international league, um, finished the year on a five game winning streak. And, they are also obviously right now uh, one win away from competing for the Governor's Cup, so uh, very exciting. I think that right now they're up two one in their uh, clash. So if they win this, then uh, they move on to the championship. So keep it up, Clippers. And I think that closes it out for how the, the Indians teams did. I'm going to go into more depth uh, with some articles on all of these teams. Uh, it's just it's tough to keep track though with with promotions. You really got to factor in how long these guys were there, what kind of impact they they had. 
So, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of change that goes on in the minor league season. I mean, even the major leagues. I mean, the Indians, I think, only have 10 players on their current roster that were on the the, the starting 25 at, at, on opening day. That's just that ridiculous. Bad, I mean, maybe maybe it's 11 now since Carrasco has been activated, but but yeah. No, no Max Moroffs and Eric Stamitzes on the Indians right now. You so. know, when you mention the fact that they were on the opening day roster, I do feel a little bit better about where they are now. <laughs> Hate to say it, but... Ah! Switching gears entirely. We have our last edition of Indians in the cupboard for this season. And these are a hitter and pitcher each that we decide to <clears throat> highlight that are outside of the top 10, but we think are people that maybe deserve a little bit more attention than they're getting, or they're just too much fun to not talk about. So my pitcher still have Kyle Nelson. I've had him for, I think two months now, but he ended up finishing the season with 47 innings pitched 69 strikeouts. Nice. Only 14 walks and a 2.28 ERA, Uh, a really nice year. And he's still a pretty under the radar guy especially in a season, I think, when the Indians had so many relievers in the minors that pitched really well, and a guy like Karen Chak, who's striking out 38 batters per nine still. Um, this Nelson's a player that went from high A at the start of the year and finished with the Clippers, and depending on what the Indians decide to do with their bullpen, um, he could be in the conversation to be one of the arms that they either take out of spring training or pretty early on get a look at uh, due to injuries or needing a 26th man for a doubleheader oh, or something I mean, like there's, that. There's going to be a stiff competition for that Indians bullpen job next year. I mean, real stiff because, you know, the Indians bullpen has been good this year and it's kind of been buoyed by some players having uh, above average seasons. But, uh, you know, you have some serious prospect talent coming up at that AAA level that are that are ready you know, Salmon and Karen Jack and Nelson. So, and uh, Cameron Hill, Henry Martinez. I mean, this is, a, this is an exciting time uh, for the future of the Indians bullpen. So uh, definitely don't blink. There's going to be a lot of strikeouts coming to the, to the major leagues very soon. How about your boy Yainer? And then for my hitter, I, yep. Yainer Diaz finished with 341, 364, 5-12. Uh, interesting year to talk about because that was his overall slash line for the season. His last seven games, he hit 185, 185, 222. He dominated the rookie league, which I think it was his third year in a row starting there. So good. You kind of hoped that he would. And he earned a promotion to low A pretty quickly and got 140 plate appearances there. Ended up slashing 274, 293, 393. So not quite as effective Still great contact skills, but it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop seeing the ball, if he can get a little bit more patient, or, I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt to have a catcher who's going to hit 280 or something with pretty good defensive skills, regardless of (laughs) how often he gets on base, (laughs) as long as he's got some power. Brian, how did your cupboard end the year? Uh, Neither guy really finished strong. Uh, We had... Oscar Gonzalez went uh, 111, 200, 111, which is shocking because he is known for never walking and he walked twice. So uh, even though he had a really bad BAPIP, uh, tough luck to close out the year off with his hitting. 
Uh, he did get promoted to double A to close out the year. Um, so at end of the year with a pretty pretty nice slash, uh, 293, 315, 418. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pleased. And that's something that you know, should you know, open some eyes of uh, Indians, uh, people in the, the brass. And uh, my boy, Kurt McCarty, did not finish the year strong. Uh, last start, he went three and two-thirds, nine hits. Ouch. Uh, gave up three earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. So not quite the way I was hoping he would finish the year, but uh, I'll take it. Uh, and I was hoping maybe they'll give him a shot in the, the fall league. But And one more thing about Oscar Gonzalez. He had, I think, one of my favorite moments of the entire minor league season in which he finally drew his first walk like a on month the and year. a half into the year. <laughs> and then if I remember correctly, the teammates like asked for the ball and gave it to him, right? The whole team <laughs> signed the ball. <laughs> it was on Snapchat or something. So, <laughs> but yeah, just like a player getting their first hit in the major leagues, they, they actually got the ball back. Like I'm sure the pitcher was like, what? <laughs> but I think one of my favorite things was, it was a post from one of his teammates was after seeing so many times him swinging and, and lacing a single on a three Oh pitch. He finally did it. <laughs> so there must've been so many times where he had a pitcher that just could not throw a strike and he didn't just care. Slap it anyway. <laughs> yep. And to finish things off this week, we do have a couple of questions. First off from at dreaming baseball on Twitter. Which are the most intriguing players I should expect to see on the captain's roster when the 2020 season begins? Uh, I would definitely say Ethan Hankins, I would expect to start. I mean, you don't know for sure, because like when the Indians were really aggressive with Tristan McKenzie, he was unstoppable at Mahoning Valley. He got promoted to Lake County for a couple starts, and then they had him start the next year at... uh, Carolina League, high A, and he was pitcher of the year. I mean, that's where all the, the hype came from. So Hankins potentially could be on that same path, but if they're conservative, he'll definitely be a stud pitcher in that on that team. Carlos Vargas, definitely somebody to be excited about. Uh, he had a, some very strong starts this year, and he also throws 100 miles an hour. Um, potentially Espino could be on that, that rotation. I mean, You've got some really, really exciting players. Um, Hunter Gaddis, I'm almost certain, will be in that rotation. He uh, he was, I believe, the Indians' fifth-round pick, and he got promoted to uh, Mahoning Valley. And you know they weren't stretching him out, even though he was a starter at college. Uh, I don't think he ever pitched more than three innings, but he'll be stretched out next year, and he'll be a starter at Lake County for sure. And he is just a filthy uh, strikeout artist. Uh, with the advanced uh, ability just from his extra years that he's pitched in college. So there's a lot to like about that potential rotation at Lake County. And then offensively, you're probably going to be having, you know, Rocchio, Delgado, Valera, um, you know, just uh, potentially uh, Aaron Bracco or um, who are some other ones? Yeah. La Vistada, Yaner Diaz, um, Corey Holland is another exciting uh, outfield prospect. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of talent. Michael Cooper is a first base prospect to keep an eye on. Uh, skinny as a rail, the skinniest first baseman you've ever seen in your life, by the way. But uh, uh, potential to really, you know, as he starts to, to fill out, very young player uh, could become really nasty. 
So there's a lot of young talent. I mean, it's going to be one of the youngest Lake County teams they've ever had. So uh, definitely uh, an exciting time to, to be paying attention. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's going to be some players that make a huge leap next year, and I would not be shocked if seven. And then our, our second question from Ghost Into the Shell on Twitter. Do you guys think Eric Haas, Lee Jen Chu, Bo Naylor, Yaner Diaz, and Brian Lavistada could change the common perception throughout the Indians' blogosphere that there's a lack of catching depth in the farm system? And I wasn't aware that there was a, a, a feeling that there was depth missing, other than maybe people still being sad that we traded Francisco Mejia, although maybe we should be less sad about that as time goes by. I think that was clearly the right choice. Uh, Mejia still has not established himself with the Padres. And then uh, Eric Haas is somebody that I think will absolutely be competing for that backup role next year behind Perez. Um, Lijen Chu is a pretty good offensive catcher, but I don't know if he'll be able to stick as a defensive catcher, but he'll probably be playing AAA next year. Uh, Bo Naylor was excellent this year, really turned it on in the second half of the season. I was very pleased with him. Uh, he's definitely a top five Indians prospect, in my opinion, um, and he'll be at high A next year. Uh, Yaner Diaz, you know, just keeps hitting, <laughs> so potentially could be at single A next year, and uh, La Vestida also should be at full season next year. So, yeah, there's a lot of decent uh, catching prospects, and don't forget, you've still got guys like Mike Rivera and Logan Ice who – aren't known as offensive catchers, but are good, you know, game managers. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of decent catchers in the Indian system. And uh, I think that they'll be in a really good shape moving forward. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's sort of a lack of perception that outside of Naylor, there's anyone that is, if there's no sure thing when it comes to prospects, but someone that should things continue, you, you will see him on a major league roster playing a significant yeah, role. I, th- I think so. Maybe it's just that people aren't and, sure. I think Lavasita and Yainer potentially could be major league catchers if they keep it up. Uh, offensively, you know, a lot of times catchers don't really hit that next level until you know, they're, they're known for being slow developers. You know, look at a you know, like guy like Travis Dearnot over in Tampa Bay. Like, finally had his breakout season, and he's what twenty eight. So, you know, it just it happens late for some guys. Uh, Eric Haas didn't really turn into a, a, a decent prospect in the Indian system until he was like 24. So uh, to, to have somebody that we drafted out of high school, basically, and Bo Naylor be a stud catching prospect, um, it, either that that's exciting right now. And then to have also some young guys like Yainer and, uh, and La Bastida, who I think was, I think La Bastida was drafted out of uh, com- junior college or community college. Uh, so he was able to get drafted like a year earlier than uh, like regular college players. So, you know, the, we, we do have some really good depth right now. So, uh, yeah, the Indian system is strong at catching. I mean, it's not strong in terms of elite prospects. It's really uh, Naylor at the top and then Haas is, you know, fringe in the 20s. But uh, there's definitely some solid depth there, guys that can get the job done, guys that can hit. Uh, and, you know, if you look at their defensive stats, they're actually throwing out a pretty decent rate of uh, potential would-be base dealers. Yeah. Well, with that, I believe we have reached the end of our regularly scheduled Indians on Deck podcasts for this year. Although I do expect pending 
any trades that happen in the system or after the Rule 5 draft and winter meetings and such. Uh, I, I think it would be good to reconvene and talk about any changes to the shape of the system at that time. But uh, I want to thank everyone who has joined us along the way and listened to us talk your ear off about these prospects. Hope you had fun. We sure did. Ryan, anything that you've got here to, to end the year? I do have a, a couple articles in the works, so keep an eye out for those. Um, you know, I, I always try to do like a prospect rankings update uh, after, you know, MLB pipeline after the trade deadline and everything. And I, I've had something sitting in the back end of the Indians site for like a month now. So I finally have time to finish it. Uh, so that should be coming soon. And then I will be trying to do these uh, end of the year recaps for each team. And then I might do something like, uh, you know, players that, you know, broke out players that disappointed type of article as well. I think that that's something that people are always interested to see who, you know, who turned the corner as a prospect or who maybe, you know, brought back or maybe even a former prospect that finally figured it out, like a, like a Juan Hillman or something. So, you know, there's a lot to, lot to dig into based on uh, this system because, you know, there's a lot of teams and most people you talk to, they, they don't even realize even close to how many levels and players are in a minor league system. So, yeah, there's a, a lot to take in, and then uh, we'll see what I can uh, find from uh, digging through all the numbers and everything. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what you come up with. Well, hey, thanks again, everyone. Let's hope the Indians uh, give us something fun to watch in October. time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.